Hey, welcome to church today. My name is Andrew. I'm the lead pastor. For those of you who do not know me, I want to welcome everybody to church today. I want to welcome everybody that is watching us online right now. Thank you so much for tuning in and staying connected to Passionate Life Church. Uh, so before we, before I introduce our amazing uh, resident counselor, come on somebody, um, <laughs> um, I got one quick thing that I want to talk about, and then uh, I, I want to fire you up for what's about to come. Um, second service, second service after this service, we're having divorce care. If you forgot about it or, or you didn't sign up, I just want to encourage you. It's in the multi-purpose room, so you come out of here and take a right. Um, it's, it's just a special thing that we're doing, surviving the holidays, okay? We know that holidays can be hard, especially if you're, you've gone through a divorce or, or you're in the process of that. And so we want to uh, come alongside of you, journey with you, and help you through this. Uh, could possibly be a really, some of the most difficult time uh, of the year for you. So um, second service, during second service, in the multipurpose room, I um, want to invite you to come to that, all right? Awesome. Uh, the next thing, man, we had an amazing a Friday night men's summit. Come on. It was testosterone overload, okay? And, and, and man, we fired up the guys, and the guys are fired up in this church. And so uh, when, when men get fired up in a church and, and commit to leading the church, uh, amazing things happen. And that's nothing uh, bad about the women because many times the men are following the women. Usually the women are spearheading and fired up already. And, and, and so uh, I see something uh, different happening in our church where the men are rising up and they're stepping into all that they that God has called them. And, and so uh, I just want you to prepare. 2023 is going to be amazing. It's going to be awesome year for our church. Amen. All right, come on, put your hands together as we welcome Didi back to the stage. Come on. Oh my gosh. Thanks for getting my mic working because that would have been bad. Um, yay, I'm back. I was just here last month. Um, they, first, before I say anything else, I just want to say after the grudge book um, talk, you guys are amazing. You blew me away. The number of stories, you stayed here, you went and prayed, you released something, you forgave something, someone, you... Um, some long-standing grudges and unforgiveness, things that I, I, you probably thought you never would forgive, you forgave. And thank you, thank you, you're doing what, God, that's why we're here, man. We're here to set the captives free, and we're the captives, right? So thank you, thank you, guys. And I was supposed to say last time that I'm not taking new clients because Andrew was like, so many people came up, does Dee Dee see new people? Like, no, sorry. So I'm just saying that right now, that unfortunately my caseload is full. And as I do my talk today, you'll know why. Because I'll be home for Christmas and in therapy after that. So, right? Um, there's some, I found this little slide, it's just cute. Christmas rules. Don't go into debt trying to show people how much you love them. Don't go visit your family if it compromises your mental health. If someone comments on your weight, eat them. <laughs> Not really. That's wrong. That's bad. Um, okay. There's three things I'm going to talk about. The first is unrealistic expectations. 
Yes, hello, holiday season. Second is family issues, job security for me. Third, uh, truly, <laughs> the third is the holiday blues. So would you guys pray with me? Father God, we are so grateful for this time, Lord. I thank you for who you are. I thank you, Lord, that you are a God of salvation. You are a God who redeems us. You are a God who sent your son as a baby to redeem the world and save the world. Lord, help us to remember what Christmas is all about. Help us, Lord, today to see maybe some places where we need to make some changes, where we need to really remember and act as if this is the most important day that we can celebrate. We thank you, Lord, that you're with us. Lord, I thank you that as I have prayed these last few weeks, you have brought people here today that need to hear a message. And there's going to be some hard things I share towards the end. And I just thank you, Lord, that you've prepared the hearts. Lord, as I was with a friend the other night and, and we were praying against the enemy and she said, devil, you are dismissed. I say that. Devil, you are dismissed. You may not come against any one of us. We silence you. We cast you out. We break. Spirit of confusion. Spirit of depression. Spirit of uh, darkness that's trying to attach to any one of us. We just break all those things right now. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen, amen. Woo! All right. Why do we have unrealistic expectations? It's the most wonderful time of the year. With the kids jingle belling and everyone telling you, be of good cheer. It's the most wonderful time of the year. 42% of Americans go into debt over the holiday season. It's the happiest happiest season of all with those holiday greetings and gay happy meetings and friends come to call. It's the hap happiest season of all. 55% of Americans struggle with loneliness over the holidays. There'll be parties for hosting, marshmallows for toasting, and caroling out in the snow. There'll be scary ghost stories and tales of the glories of Christmases long, long ago. Americans double their drinking over the holidays, and 85% of us overeat. Ooh, but it's the most wonderful time of the year. There'll be much mistletoeing and hearts will be glowing when loved ones are near. It's the most wonderful time of the year. 68% of families have conflict over the holidays. Anyone? Uh -huh, I can't see your hands, so <laughs> if, you're, if you're saying yes, um, look, okay, I love this. I love this um, little quote from Henry Ford. If you always do, this is what we do with expectations. If we always do what we've always done, we always get what we always got. We go into the holidays wanting things to be different, but we don't do anything differently. So look at your patterns over the holidays. Do, are you one of those that overspends? Do you drink too much? Do you overeat? Are you comparing? Do you get on Instagram and there the whole family's in their matchy pajamas and you're like, we need matchy pajamas because then we'll be like these people. And you spend $200 on matchy pajamas. Is that what you do? Just look at, look at what you're doing. Do you struggle with perfectionism or comparison? Um, I have a little story 
when I was, this is in the early 90s, and we were living in Dallas, and I was in grad school, and I was in a very hard marriage, if you've heard me speak before. My first marriage was really difficult. Had two little kids. I was part of a Bible study. I'd never done a Bible study before. Um, I didn't become a believer until my early 20s, and this is in Dallas, and these are these, is anybody from Texas? Sweetest people, and these women, their little sweet Texas accents, and we all had real big hair, because you just had, imagine this hair with a perm, that, mm -hmm, that's what we all had, big hair, so I'm at this little Bible study, and it's the beginning of December, and I am overwhelmed, I've got finals coming up, all kinds of things, and sweet, sweet Bible study leader, so excited. This was my first year. She's like, Dady, we are doing a cookie exchange in two weeks. I was like, what is it? I don't even know. What is that? She's like, oh, it's so fun. We each do six dozen cookies that are from family recipes. So you just get your recipes from your mama and you make six different dozen cookies and then you wrap them up and then we, in two weeks, we're going to exchange them. It's so fun. I was like, can you buy cookies and bring them? No! The whole point is using your family recipes. I was like, okay, this sounds so good. Thanks. I go and you get in my car and I am mad. I am mad at this girl. Now, here's the problem. She doesn't know me because I have never shared anything really about myself to her. But I'm sitting in the car and I'm like, there are several things wrong with this. First of all, the kitchen is a dangerous place. The oven burns people. I have been burned by that oven. The second thing is I don't have any family recipes. I grew up in crazy town. We didn't ever do this. I, my mom never baked cookies with us. I'm sitting there thinking, I, I want to be a normal person. I'm not a normal person. She doesn't know that. I'm trying to pretend like I'm a normal mom. I got mad. The third thing, the third problem is I just didn't want to do it. I just didn't want to do it. It sounded dumb to me. And I hate to say that. I know there are some of you out there that I sure have done this because I've heard about it since then. And you love to bake and you love like Heather did pretzel bites. I know Brenda makes all of our sweets. Like, God bless you. I want to be your friend. But I don't want to be the one who does it. So I'm in the car. I'm upset. And for the next two weeks, I agonized over this. Oh, my gosh. Should I look up recipes? How am I going to do this? I'm trying to study for finals. Two weeks go by. The cookie exchange day comes. I'm sick. So I know that's wrong and bad to light. But I was like, I'm not going to do it. I am not going to do it. I say this to say to you. Some, here's something I didn't know back in my early 30s. How to say no. Just say no, that won't work for me. I was afraid to do that because I didn't want to look like I wasn't a normal person. I'm not a normal person. Have you figured that out? That's okay. It's okay. I'm not the grandma that bakes cookies. I'm the grandma that takes kids on adventures. I'm the grandma that sits on the floor and plays with them. I'm the grandma that tells them stories. I'm not that person. Don't do something you don't want to do because you think you're supposed to do it. No is a complete sentence, right? Wow. One of the most impactful Christmases we ever had when my kids were little, we uh, found ourselves at a homeless shelter Christmas morning. And I remember my daughter, she was about 10, and she was over sitting with some little girls and they were opening their presents. And she ran over to me. She said, Mom, 
one of the little girls just opened her present and it was socks. And she was really excited to get socks. And it was her only present. We get so frustrated with our kids. They're indulged, they're spoiled, they're entitled. Who's indulging, spoiling, entitling them? We are. We are. I love this four gift rule. And you've probably heard of this. Something they want, something they need, something to wear, something to read. Sometimes we just need to simplify what we're doing. Um, I, I, I've got a slide here on this. The enemy has hijacked Christmas, right? We get overwhelmed with stress, anxiety, and frustration. We forget that this holiday is one to celebrate and honor you, Lord. Family feuds run rampant. There's little peace on earth. We forget the wondrous, supernatural miracle of you sending your only son to earth as a baby. We'll keep going. To be God incarnate. Do you see why the enemy comes so hard against this holiday? This is what we're celebrating, to live alongside your people than to ultimately sacrifice his life for us. We allow the world to define what Christmas means. Lord, we confess that we have our eyes on the world, not you. John 3.16, this is it, this is it. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. What is truly important about Christmas? How do I shift my perspective? I love, this is the only sermon you will ever get a little reading from How the Grinch Stole Christmas, but I love this story. I loved it as a kid. I'm just going to read a couple of little excerpts from it. Every who down in Whoville liked Christmas a lot, but the Grinch who lived just north of Whoville did not. The Grinch hated Christmas. The whole Christmas season. Now, please don't ask why no one knows quite the reason. It could be his head was screwed on, not just right. It could be perhaps that his shoes were too tight. But I think the most obvious reason of all may have been that his heart was two sizes too small. Whatever the reason, his heart or his shoes, he stood there on Christmas hating the Who's. Staring down from his cave with a sour, grinchy frown, at the warm lighted windows below in their town, for he knew every who down in Whoville beneath was busy now hanging a mistletoe wreath. And they're hanging their stockings, he snarled with a sneer. Tomorrow is Christmas, it's practically here. Then he growled with his grinch fingers nervously drumming. I must find some way to stop Christmas from coming. For tomorrow, he knew, all the who girls and boys would wake bright and early, they'd rush for their toys. And then, oh, the noise, oh, the noise, 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 noise. So what does he do? He steals Christmas. He takes all of their presents, loads them in his sleigh. 3,000 feet up, up the side of Mount Crumpet, he rode with his load to the tip top to dump it. Poo, poo to the who's, he was grinchously humming. They're finding out now that no Christmas is coming. They're just waking up. I know just what they'll do. Their mouths will hang open a minute or two. Then the who's down in Whoville will all cry, boo-hoo. That's a noise, grinned the Grinch, that I simply must hear. So he paused 
and the Grinch put his hand to his ear. And he did hear a sound rising over the snow. It started in low, then it started to grow, but the sound wasn't sad. Why, this sound sounded merry. It couldn't be so, but it was merry, very. He stared down at Whoville. The Grinch popped his eyes. Then he shook. What he saw was a shocking surprise. Every who down in Whoville, the tall and the small, was singing without any presence at all. He hadn't stopped Christmas from coming. It came. Somehow or other, it came just the same. And the Grinch with his Grinch feet, ice cold in the snow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without ribbons. It came without bows. It came without boxes, tags, or packages. And he puzzled three hours till his puzzler was sore. Then the Grinch thought of something he hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, he thought, doesn't come from a store. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. And what happened then? Well, in Whoville, they say that the Grinch's small heart grew three sizes that day. And the minute his heart didn't feel quite so tight, he whizzed with his load through the bright morning light and he brought back the toys and the food for the feast. And he, he himself, the Grinch carved the roast beast. The Who's gathered in a circle, worshiping. I want to say they were worshiping Jesus. I don't know for sure. But that is the meaning of Christmas, to worship Jesus in community. Why does the enemy try to isolate you? Because he knows this is where the Lord meets us in community, singing and worshiping. If Christmas is about worshiping Jesus, it's also about being with family. The second point, family issues. As I said earlier, 68% of families experience conflict over the holidays. Whose house do we go to? How much money do we spend? Do we travel over the holidays? What do we do about weird family traditions? Does anyone have weird fam? Did you marry into, I'm just going to say this. And if your spouse is here, you don't have to raise your hand. Did you marry into a family where you're like, that is weird. That's weird you guys do that. I don't know. Um, unresolved, and I'm going to share a weird family tradition, not with my lovely husband Tom's family, because they were delightful, but with my first husband's family. I'm going to share a really weird one. But unresolved conflict can manifest during family get-togethers, right? Alcohol is not your friend, it can fuel fights. I'll tell you in sessions, some of the worst stories I hear are everyone has been drinking and this huge fight breaks out. It's horrible. It's horrible. So that's, we got to watch out for that. Grudges, we talked about unforgiveness. Humble yourselves. I'll tell you one of the coolest things we can do as a believer is if we've had a conflict with somebody at Christmas, you see, you know, Uncle Joe and you're like, oh, Uncle Joe. And the Lord puts in your heart to go to Uncle Joe and say, you know, I know we had a, a bit of a conflict last Christmas. I'm, re I, I'm really sorry. I ask your forgiveness. The way that I handled that was inappropriate and wrong. 
that will throw Uncle Joe for a loop, right? He's not going to know what to do with that. That's what we're called to do. So there's a couple of scriptures. Um, James 1, 19 through 20. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. We need to look different than the world, right? And that comes from our heart. 1 Peter 3, 8 through 11. Finally, all of you be like-minded, be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, what are we supposed to do? This doesn't even make sense, right? This is the Sermon on the Mount. Repay evil with blessing because to this you were called so that you may inherit a blessing. And this continues. For whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. They must turn from evil and do good. They must seek peace and pursue it. That's what we're called to do. So I came from a chaotic home. We did not have a lot of holiday traditions. My parents divorced when I was 10. So it was actually really a stressful time. If anyone comes from a divorce home, you're going back and forth. They usually split the holiday in a weird way. So we lived in Albuquerque with my mom and my dad lived in Gallup, New Mexico. I don't know if anybody has ever been to Gallup, New Mexico. But we took a train to get there. So it was really stressful. I don't remember having a lot of um, fun over Christmas. I remember a lot of stress and a lot of anxiety. But I married my first husband. Remember, I call him my husband, Mike. I married Mike. He had, came from a family that was very proud of their traditions. They were deep-seated. They did certain things every year. So I said a minute ago, they were weird. They were weird, and you tell me, come up afterwards and be like, they were weird, okay? When I tell you this one. So, they wanted us to come to their house on Christmas Eve, which was fine, that's a normal thing, and they wanted us to come around 2.30, we're going to eat dinner, and then, you know, just just hang out as a family. So, my kids were little, uh, we get there about 2.30, John and Jane, that are their, that's their names, John and Jane had been drinking, Bloody Mary's since breakfast. Uh-huh. We get there at two. They're already inebriated. They're not doing well. So we get there. They're, you know, he's, and this is the dynamic with that family. He was very verbally abusive, and I will try not to, I won't cuss. But he was cussing, cussing, cussing. And she was the wife who was like, I'm sorry, John. I'm sorry, John, I meant to do that. I'm sorry. Two little kids watching this dynamic. So we are, and they also had, I'm just going to say this, and I love dogs, but this was a little white poodle that was demon-possessed. Is is that possible? I think it is. This dog, and his name, ironically, was Ami, which means love. He was vicious. He was this vicious little dog, and and scared the you know what out of my kids. Bit one of them one time, and they would they put the dog out? No, 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 no. Ami stayed on Grandpa's lap, viciously growling at the kids the whole day. So here we are. This is supposed to be our lovely Christmas Eve. They dinner was supposed to be I don't know when, but dinner shows up finally at eight thirty. 
eighth, I know, two little kids, they're starving, and I'm hangry at that point. I mean, you can only eat so many crackers and cheese, and I'm just like, oh, when are we going to eat? Mike, of course, grew up with this, so it's fine for him. I'm like, this is intolerable. Oh, and they smoked. They smoked all day. I know, it was gross. It was gross. So finally, 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 dinner, we eat dinner. Now it's time for John to read a story. Not the Christmas story. He finds this obscure, weird, which you cannot find. I tried to look it up. It's called Pug the Magnificent. It's about a little pug dog who, I know, who gets his angel wings. And John is reading the story like this. But my kids are like, what's wrong with grandpa? I'm like, so many things. So many things. He's reading, he's choking up. Jane intersects because he didn't say something. Damn it, Jane! I'm trying to read that story. At one point, he like almost dozes off. I'm like, this is a nightmare. He finally, finally, finally finishes the story, and we all have to be like, that was the best story ever. I'm like, this family's insane. I need to get out of here. We did that tradition for several years. Finally, I was like, no can do. Like, I can't do that anymore. What kind of legacy did they leave? And if you ask my kids about Pug the Magnificent, they're like, like, it's a traumatic memory. That's, I want you guys to look at. Okay, was that a weird one? Okay, thank you. That's a weird one. I want you guys to look at what are your holiday traditions? Are there some that are just not life-giving? Things you do just because you've always done them? No thanks. What needs to change to keep Christ in Christmas? Sometimes God uses a hard season to change it up. And in December of 1999, um, we were going, it was just a hard, hard year right before Christmas. And Mike ended up, we ended up separating and he agreed to go into a year-long treatment facility. And that left me and the kids really in a weird place. And I didn't have any of my own family traditions. I sure as heck wasn't going to pull Pug out. Like, nope, never doing that, never doing that. So we found ourselves really kind of lost. And through that time, the Lord just showed us, showed me, start doing things that serve others. Like, start looking outside of your family. So I'm just going to throw out a couple of little family traditions that we um, started that we love doing. Uh, One of them is on Christmas Eve, we go to like an IHOP or Village Inn, and we save our money, we save cash, and we stuff this envelope full of cash, and at the end of our little meal, we give it to the server. What is cool is my kids would take their Christmas money and put that in the envelope. And we have story after story of last year when we went, um, the guy was, he had three of his own kids and his sister was living with him with her four kids. And I mean, this guy, whoever's working Christmas Eve at IHOP is not at the top of the food chain. You know what I'm saying? They have a hard life. And this guy just was tearing up and crying. That, and I don't say that like, we're so great. I just say that like, that's what the Lord wants. He wants us to look and serve others. And we always write a little thing about the Lord and that he's the one that we were supposed to bless with this. Um, We started going to the movies on Christmas Day. We really didn't have anything else to do. And bringing friends that didn't have anybody else to hang out with. Uh, We adopt a family. And I love that the church does the angel tree. 
That's one of the coolest things. We would adopt a family with kids the same ages so my kids could like help buy the presents. That was awesome. Um, I know some of you do this. We pay it forward at like a Starbucks. Have you ever done that? You're like there and they're like, oh, the car in front of you paid. And you're like, oh, then I want to pay for the car behind me. So we do that and we get that going. That's what I did at Chick-fil-A last year. That was, the people are like, I was sitting in the restaurant and they're like, I'm like, don't tell them that's me. But they, they were like, thank you so much. I love Chick-fil-A just for a thousand reasons. Um, we randomly will pay for a family's meal um, in a restaurant. We, last year we were at um, Olive Garden and there's two teenage kids, boys, and they were like out to eat. You could tell and the Lord's like, go pay for their meal. And so I went over, I said, hey, we're, we're going to pay for your meal. They're like, like they were scared. <laughs> like, what, what? I'm like, no, it's just something we do. It's okay. It's okay. We're just going to pay for your meal. They're like, thank you so much. Yay. God bless you. That's what we want to do. Find some new traditions. Do something different. Frederick Beekner, I love this quote. The world says the more you take, the more you have. Christ says the more you give, the more you are. What needs to change for you this Christmas? Keep the traditions that work, that are life-giving, that mean something to your family. Make peace with family if possible. And there are times you need to pray and release and forgive and set boundaries. So ask the Lord, pray, ask the Lord, what boundaries do we need to set? Start new traditions that keep Christ in Christmas and think what kind of legacy do I want to leave? Do you want a legacy that I had as a kid with family members drinking too much, having fights, going to the crazy Christmas Eve at my in-laws? What kind of legacy do you want to leave to your children and your grandchildren? That's so important. So we're going to go over now into holiday blues. So depression, anxiety spikes during the holidays. All the things we just talked about, family stuff, you may have had lost somebody around the holidays. The holidays are such a, oh, I talked last time about trauma triggers, how your body kind of carries it. If you've lost somebody or you've had something hard happen around the holidays or you're struggling with your family, you can feel really um, almost worse because there's so all this, the most wonderful time of the year keeps playing. Like it's supposed to be this and it's not. And I'm really, really struggling. Unresolved grief, loss, or trauma can be exacerbated by all of this. And many people are alone over the holidays and struggle with depression, but also suicidal thoughts. So as I was preparing this talk, and the Lord always does this, and I was talking to Stephanie, we were recording, we're, I did a devotional for um, the 21-day fast, and I was talking to Stephanie, who was helping me, and I said, man, I'm going to share something kind of hard at the end. She's like, when don't you share something hard? <laughs> like, that's not a surprise. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, but anyway, so I was praying about this, and the Lord, and I am telling you, the Lord showed me there are those in here and watching, and even if it is one person who is struggling with suicidal thoughts, the Lord says, I'm the good shepherd. I will go find the one lost sheep. And so today, I'm going to finish out talking about suicide. And there's not a lot of sermons on this. There should be. 
especially since COVID. This is such a, a powerful tool that the enemy uses against us. There is a spirit of suicide. There's a pack of demons, depression, hopelessness, despair, suicide. They are prowling around seeking whom they may devour. So we today, you and me, are going to uncover this. Are you okay with that? Okay. If you're going through hell, Winston Churchill, keep going. Don't give up. I want to share this. There are some lies that the enemy says that, and, and I'm sure a lot of us in here have experienced some of these lies. Um, when we are, this is, here they are. When we are struggling with suicidal thoughts or depressive thoughts, you don't matter. Everyone will be better off if you were gone. Hello. <laughs> Do you guys have that? Yes. I'll say it again. You don't matter. Everyone will be, look at this, will be better off if you were gone. This is a lie straight from hell that we hear and we start to say, yeah, you know, that's kind of true. The second one, when we are struggling, this pain will never end. You're always going to feel this way. The third one, you're all alone. No one cares about you. The fourth one, if God is real, why is your life so hard? Have you ever thought any of these? Have you ever experienced any of these thoughts? The fifth one, what you've done is unforgivable. God hates you. Let me tell you, I've sat with hundreds. I've been a therapist for almost 30 years now. I have sat with hundreds of people who have struggled with this. I personally have struggled with some of these thoughts. And the only way to combat them is you need to understand the only power the enemy has is if you believe his lies. Do not, yes, do not make agreements with him that these are true. They're not. If we are in the spirit, if we are chosen and we are redeemed by the Lord, these are lies straight from hell. Maybe I feel them, but they are lies straight from hell. So let me give you some of God's word. And he gave me several scriptures because he's mad. He's like, oh, I want my people to know this is who I am. That's not who I am. So first one, Psalm 40, one through three. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He hears every cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. Is that what it feels like when you're in that dark place? You're in a slimy pit with mud. Oh, I can't save myself. I can't pull myself up and wash myself off. I'm stuck there. But he lifts us out. He set my feet on a rock. And that rock is Jesus Christ. He gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. He put a song. That means he's going to redeem this dark place. We don't sing a song in a dark place. He's going to redeem it. A hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. We will then be a witness 
to other people. Isaiah 40, 31, but those who trust in the Lord will renew, this is a great scripture, camp on this, will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. He will take us out and we will soar. The enemy says, oh, you're always gonna feel this way. No, 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 no. God says, I will redeem it. You will soar. You will soar. And Isaiah 41, 10, do not fear for I am with you. Do not be afraid for I am your God. We're not alone. Look, he's with us. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. But you, O Lord, Psalm 3, 3, are a shield about me, my glory and the lifter of my head. John 10, 10, we see this one a lot. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And then Deuteronomy 31, 6, what an awesome scripture. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. We need to break every agreement of darkness, of suicide. We need to break it. We have authority to do that. And I said it before, demons come in a pack. They are coming hard. I can't even tell you the opposition I had preparing this talk. Who the enemy did not want me to speak this out today. And that makes me even more want to speak it out. <laughs> it's like, oh, I'm going to do it. Uh-huh. There is a generational sin and curse of suicide. And I want you, and I think everybody in here at some level has been touched by a suicide. Maybe somebody in your own family has suicided. If you have a family member suicide, you are three times more likely to suicide. We want to break that. We want to break that. I had a um, client several years ago who uh, came in and hard story. She had some childhood trauma, which she was working through, but her husband, she found out was having an affair. He wanted to divorce her. He was turning the kids against her. Anyway, she was in a dark place. She came into session and walks in, sits down, looks at me and says, I just want to let you know that um, as soon as I leave today, I'm going to go kill myself. I was like, okay. She said, I just, you know, I just really, like, I'm at peace about it. I, it's going to get me out of here. I'm a burden to my daughters. My ex-husband won't have to deal with me. You know, it's just, it's just better. This isn't going to get better here. This is awful, and I just don't want to be here. So I'm going to, I'm going to um, just leave here and kill myself. I was like, um, can I pray with you, you know, before you go? She was like, no, no, that's okay. No, I'm good. I'm good. Really weird. Weirdly calm, weirdly peaceful. I was like, um, you know, no, actually I am going to pray for you. So grab her hand and just Holy Spirit, man, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I cast out this spirit of suicide. I cast out this, this confusion, these lies that she's believing. I'm just like, boom, boom, boom. And as I'm finishing up, she starts bawling. She's like, like she came out of a daze. She said, Dee Dee, I, I was going to do it. I was going to leave here and do that. I can't believe, she's bawling. I can't believe that it's like I was tricked into that. I'm like, uh-huh, that's how the enemy does it. Had another client, similar situation. 
struggling, struggling, just wanting to die, wanting to die, wanting to die. She finally was, we prayed and prayed and just didn't seem to break. But what we found out later, every day she woke up and said, I want to die. Every day she kept making a new agreement. And the Lord, she was sitting at her kitchen table and the Lord just visited her. She's just crying out to him. And he said, all you need to do is say four words. I want to live. I want to live. And that broke it. That broke it. We have the authority and the power to break out a spirit of suicide. And you know what? Every person I've ever worked with who has attempted suicide or been suicidal, when they come out the other side, they're like, I had no idea how good my life could be. I had no idea what God had in store for me. I almost gave up. And there's a lovely scripture, Deuteronomy 30, 19. And this is God calling us. This is when he's talking about the generational blessings and curses that what we need to do to take a stand. Deuteronomy 30, 19. Today I have given you, this is the Lord speaking. I have given you the choice between life and death between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. So when I was 17 years old, I was very suicidal. Um, I had gone through a, a sexual assault the year before. I was dating this terrible person who was cheating on me and then broke up with me. And I started having these horrible panic attacks, just, just crippling panic. I didn't know what they were, but I was just overwhelmed with panic attacks, living in an unstable home. And one night I was just believing all of those lies, didn't know the Lord. I didn't know the Lord till I was 21, but I was sitting in my bed, just going over and going over. And I, something somehow stopped me that night. And I hadn't thought about it in a long time until I was preparing this. And I was just praying the other night. And I said, Lord, what, what stopped me? Why didn't I do it? And he said, Didi, your grandma was praying for you every day. It was one believer in my family, and that was my grandma. And she prayed for me every day. I can't imagine if I would have suicided at 17. So as I was praying, the Lord said, you had a grandma praying for you. Now you be the grandma and pray for someone in this congregation right now or a lot of people. And so would you pray with me? Oh Lord God, I am so grateful for your word, for your truth, for your power. Lord, thank you for exposing the lies of the enemy. And Lord, you will go after the one and I don't know who that is, but I pray right now, Lord, that whoever that is, and it might be more than one, who came in here, who is struggling with this, who's struggling with a dark place, and Lord, you picked them to be here today to hear me say the words that you gave me to set them free. Do not let them leave, Lord, without connecting with somebody. Lord, we're about to do a response time. Let them come up to the cross and nail, write it down and nail it at the cross. Come over to the altar and exchange this darkness and cast out this dark spirit for light, for your Holy Spirit, that they would be baptized 
in your Holy Spirit. And Lord, let them not leave without connecting with our, one of our prayer warriors to battle this with them, that they would not walk out of here the same. They were the ones that you came and you say, you don't send the lower shepherds. You are the high shepherd that goes and finds the lost sheep. So we thank you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. I thank you for a church where we can be this real, where we can share hard things, and Lord, that you are in it. And Satan, you're done. We cast you out once and for all. Get away from us. We do not welcome you. We break every agreement, attachment, assignment that has come against us. We break all of those in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen.